This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious, sugar-free, electrolyte drink mix. I tried this recently after hearing about it on another podcast, and since then, I've stocked up on boxes and boxes of this, and usually use it one to two times per day. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks. As a coach or an athlete, you will not find a better product that focuses on the essential electrolytes your body needs during competition. Element has become a staple in my own training and something we are excited to offer our coaches and student athletes as well. Element is used by military special forces teams, Team USA Weightlifting, at least five NFL teams, and more than half the NBA. You can try it risk-free. If you don't like it, Element will give you your money back, no questions asked. They have extremely low return rates. Element came up with a very special offer for you as a listener to this podcast. For a limited time, you can claim a free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. For U.S. customers, this means that you can receive an eight-count sample pack for only $5. Simply go to drinkelement.com slash justinclimo. That's drinklmnt.com slash justinclimo to claim your free eight-count sample pack. Drinkelement.com slash justinclimo. Cypress Grove Studios is supported by the Canyon Properties Group, the number one real estate team in Pebble Beach and Carmel, California. They specialize in ocean and golf front properties and have been leading the industry for over 35 years. If you've ever played golf in Pebble Beach or taken a run along Carmel Beach, you've definitely seen their listings. As their team has grown, they've expanded into dramatic ocean view homes in the Carmel Highlands, and most recently into the Santa Lucia Preserve, which encompasses about 10,000 acres with just 300 home sites, a Tom Fazio golf course, and over 100 miles of private trails. If you're looking for a seasonal getaway or interested in moving here full-time, be sure to reach out to Jess Canyon. I've known Jess for several years and have learned how complicated and diverse properties are in this area. She'll help you dial in the search to find what you're looking for, and like every great team, they focus on the details, execute at every step, and work as a group to provide the best value for each of their clients. For more information about the team and to check out their current listings, please visit www.canningproperties.com slash ysports. Once again, that's www.canningproperties.com slash ysports. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Y Sports, a podcast designed to highlight the value of athletics as a foundation for any career path. Through interviews with professionals across industries, we discuss the impact of being part of a team, competition, learning to fail, and how those lessons transcend athletics into the workplace. Join us as we explore the importance of sports as professional development while our guests share what they have learned throughout their career. I'm your host, Justin Clarno. Welcome back to Y Sports. We are joined today by Stevenson legend Sally Russell, who is a teacher of art at our lower and middle school and also new owner of the Power Plant Cafe in Moss Landing. Sally, really excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is a great honor. If you don't mind telling us a little bit about your background, both as an athlete 
and a professional and how you ended up where you are now, what pivots you've made along the way and what prompted you to open this new cafe. Oh and if goodness. possible, as you tell this story, <laughs> I'm curious what role your sports experience has had in shaping your journey, both as a teacher and now as a business owner. Gosh, let's see where I could begin. I grew up on the Monterey Peninsula in Delray Oaks, actually. And my family, we're a tennis family, and my parents drove us all around California playing junior tournaments and played at the local clubs. And it was a great way to grow up. I felt like we always had a purpose. That's where we would walk to after school and always trying to improve and, and get better. And it was always nice to have the incentive of my brothers to try to, you know, be in a league that had any <laughs> merit. So I was always practicing and trying to do better, but, and tournaments. So then by the time I got to high school, I had already been playing tennis for quite a while. And um, so we went into playing on the team there and really enjoyed the camaraderie with my fellow students and having that bonding team experience and realizing I was a part of a team now too, not just an individual playing for myself. So it is an individual sport, tennis is, but it's being on the team created something different and uh, a sense of pride and being together and working together. And my coaches were Steve Prue, who was wonderful. I had known him for years and he just guided us. And then Janny Knotts, and they both were dear friends and great coaches and just great with the girls. It was just a lot of fun. And I think though, from early on, always having an objective, getting out there while I was playing. And I, I use that a lot now is make a goal. Like when I'm teaching, I go make a goal, see what you can get done today, make it reasonable and just have a goal for yourself. When I'd get out there and practice on the courts, it would always be, okay, I'm going to work on my backhand today or down the line or cross court. So I'd, that's what we would work on. Yeah. That, and also just playing tournaments through the years, there were a lot of losses and a lot of being defeated and morale destroying moments, <laughs> crying in the car with my mom. There's losses and you learn to deal with, okay, get over it and get back out there and keep working and keep trying. And, and that's what I would do all the time. And, and yet, so to me, sports has been a journey and a process and teaches me about life. Cause you just have to, you have to work hard, work with others, be a good sport. I, I will tell a quick story that I was playing a junior tournament once when I was probably 12 years old and I was sassy and a little brat out there. I was losing and I just was rude to this girl. And my mom, she doesn't, did not get upset very often at me, but she basically came over to there and say, I'm pulling you off the court right now, unless you turn your attitude around. And so it was pretty much a game changer for me. I realized that was being a prima donna and it did. And from then that moment on, led by one of my brothers, Chris Russell, I realized how important sportsmanship was in sports and that I just, I strove to be a good sportsman throughout my, my life. And I still try to do that in my daily life. That's all that really matters really is how you present into the world and, and be a kind person. You just play the ball. You don't play the person. Yep. 100%. I think you mentioned a lot of things that we're going to dig into here. And I'm going to circle back to a couple of them in a moment. But I want to talk about something that I think may be a misunderstood assumption. But you as an artist, and if people haven't had the opportunity to see your art, it's spectacular. Mm -hmm. The way in which you cultivate that love in kids is mm -hmm. unbelievable. But 
most people, I would think they, they put people in boxes, right? So you're an artist, you're an athlete. And that crossover between being a creative while still having athletics as a foundation is unique. And I wonder in what way, as you found yourself into the creative space, where's the crossover there? Where do you tap into that as you're teaching, as you're working on your own projects? How, how do you explain that to other people that might have try to put people in boxes like that? I don't know where to start with that other than that. For me, generally, I try not to put people in the boxes, and especially when I'm teaching, because what excites me the most is just seeing originality and creativity come out of kids. And so I'm not as much of an advocate for that this should look like this as I am for, oh my gosh, look at this creativity coming out of this person. This is crazy cool. Mm -hmm. So that really excites me. Yes, I can teach kids some technique and they can learn and, and improve their skills. But what really gets me excited is when I see the creativity and that child may be a mathematician. They might be a sports person. I have noticed through the years that Often kids that may be struggling in the academic world thrive in the three-dimensional world in art. And I'll speak up at meetings and say, they might be struggling in your class, but not mine. They thrive when you put something three-dimensional in their hands. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but I just, I find it to be so intriguing to see who responds to what. And I get kids at different project levels. I might get real tech abilities and then I dive into something else and, oh, I've grabbed that kid down there, do you know? So- yeah. No, I think you did. I think there's a total crossover. And if you take your chosen sport of tennis as an example, there's a natural ability to be fluid and swing a racket and, and be an athlete, air quote. And then there's the technical component of here's how you're actually supposed to hold the racket. Right. Here's what you can do if you put topspin on the ball. And there are two different uh, ways to approach the game you taught both of my all three of my kids but you've got the one that's a much more literal thinker and one that's a lot more conceptual and trying to, to figure out how to meet them where they are but also introduce the other side of the thinking process is really yeah. the magic of teaching and so you definitely answered the question what I want to know is how'd you end up in the classroom after your career after you went to college whatever happened and now Boom, I'm here as a teacher. I'd, I'd been doing a variety of things, teaching tennis. I also had a design and manufacturing business for five or six years, and we were kind of fading out of that. And I had heard that this position was open at Stevenson. And so we decided that it might be a good idea if I apply for it and see how that goes. I didn't know. I was like, uh, I don't know. It would be coming full circle, but it's not what I had set out to do, but it just happened. That's what they say. Life happens when you're, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you had a design business. You phased your way out of that. You've mm -hmm. been teaching for however long. We don't need to put a number on it, but I've been doing it for 20 plus years. Oh and so God. we'll just leave it at that. Yes. And, then, and then we will look at this new business that you've started, this power plant cafe. Yeah. So business owner teacher. And now I'm adding the business piece on what caused that shift? What lessons did you learn the first time that you're going to reapply now? And what are the things that you learn on a day to day in the classroom that are actually helping you find success in this new endeavor? Gosh, this project came about once again, we didn't know we were going to be doing this and it just COVID hit and some deals were falling through my husband tenant. And we just decided, okay, 
let's do this. We can do this. I don't think we had quite the idea of what a large enterprise it was going to be, but now we do. But we decided to go in increments and start tackle what we could handle first. So we started to remodel the cafe, the coffee shop first, and just got that going. And so for the last six months, that's been going and just learning as we go and have a good team in place. And we both have our day jobs. So that was really important to get key people that could could do this. And so they're doing it. And I'm not really that involved in the coffee shop daily goings on. We have meetings and everything, but I'm not. I'm not involved in the management of that. But in the store, I've been doing a lot of the buying and the purchasing. And I ended up doing, I painted a huge 25 foot mural and I've been styling it out and merchandising it. So I'm kind of taking my stronger skill set there and helping out with the decor and the design of the environment. I, I'm a little more involved on that side of it. And my cousin is, once again, we have a good team. She is managing the retail store and we have a good uh, business manager too. So we're just putting a good team together. So that's how we're able to do this and still have our day jobs. <laughs> and I love that. And you keep coming back to this idea of team and you mentioned it earlier on, tennis is an individual sport and yeah. you're part of a team. And right. now you have a day job, mm-hmm. husband has a day job, you're running a business and you need to have a team. You need to have a business manager. You need to have yeah. retail people. You need to put people in roles and help yeah. them thrive in those roles. How did your experience being an athlete inform your choices and how you're managing this team? Gosh, teamwork, working with people. Also, I just always find that what's the words I'm looking for, instilling you know, confidence in them, letting them run with their ideas or support them and talk it through so that they have a sense of um, pride and ownership in something and that they're not just under our thumb always, but that we really are a team in our meetings. We ask their opinions. What do we all think? Are we on board with this? Working together and strategically. So we all have an invested pride in it. But teamwork, really, once again, I can only just say always just having a goal in mind and practicing. We have to do the work to, to see the results. Another thing you mentioned early on, which was losing, teaches you resilience and failure. And how do you respond to that? The tears you had in the car going home, both as a teacher and as a business owner, are there failures that you can point to that you were able to navigate and potentially use as opportunities based on that early experience, getting beat, having to figure out how to go back at it. And now you have that skill set. Yeah, just lots of rejection or failure. Not, I hate the word failure, but lots of rejection mm-hmm. or just disappointment. And also judging character or people. Sometimes we, we don't even know what's going on with somebody. So to give people the benefit of the doubt, not be quick to judge, just and stay open and open-minded and open-hearted. That That is the biggest thing for me, I think, because I completely sometimes have been just make good friends with somebody that didn't, you know, give a chance to right out of the shoot. Mm-hmm. So to me, staying, staying open-hearted and open-minded. Yeah. Now, this may be a little bit too personal, but if I pushed you to think about a particular challenge 
that you had to navigate through that ultimately on the other side of that has set you up for success? Are there any stories you can tell about how you were able to get through that and, and you're now applying it either as a teacher or as a business owner or hell, as a parent? Like ways that that resilience that you had built really came into play and here's what happened and here's how you got to the other side, even if it's just broad strokes. The first thing that comes to mind is pride, <laughs> getting beyond bruised pride, ego, and not letting myself lead with the ego. My pride is keeping me from <laughs> telling you that the real one that jumps out at me, but it was in college when I transferred to UC Santa Barbara and I thought I was being recruited to play at UCSB coming from Cal Poly where I'd played and done well. And anyhow, I was changing my game up that summer, but I was also working a lot. So I wasn't on top of my game. And I went out at UCSB and the coach put me on the walk-on matches and I was completely insulted that I was being put in that category. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So I went out and I was playing with these girls. And so my pride was just completely wounded stepping out on the court, but I got out there and I started losing. <laughs> and this gal was not that strong of a player and a little unorthodox. And my game was a little bit unraveled at that time because I was trying to press on to serve in volley more. And so I was a little bit out of sorts with my game. And anyhow, I lost this eight game pro set and I couldn't believe it. I just, once again, was just a sore little loser because I could not, I was humiliated that I had to go through this process and this experience. So I gathered my rackets, walked off the court. I didn't even talk to the coach because I was out. If you're out, you're out, you know, I just left. I was just beside myself. And so I left and then a couple of weeks later, I was home visiting and my dad was said, what's going on? What's going on? Why, what's going on on the team? I said, I'm not on the team, do you know? And he couldn't believe it. He was just, so he gives the, the coach a call. I, and the coach says, if Sally wants to play, I know how Sally can play, have her show up to practice Monday morning and we'll take it from there. So guess who never showed up at the practice Monday morning? That was moi, <laughs> me, I didn't because my pride was too bruised. Mm -hmm. So that was a big lesson. That was a big change in my whole life. Big life. I, up to that point, tennis was my focus in life. So I decided to, if I could put that energy into art or whatever else that I, I would have to have success in other venues, but that was a turning point. I can look back because I couldn't talk about it for a while and just say, ah, I really blew that one. I let my pride run the show there. Mm -hmm. It didn't, it didn't have to end that way. Yes. And you just opened up a really interesting door. When your life is wrapped up in something, in this case, tennis, and that has become your identity and that no longer exists. Yeah. How do you process that? How do you get past that to reinvent yourself or just accept, hey, I'm Sally Russell and I play tennis versus I'm Sally Russell, a tennis player. There's two different ways to think about that yeah. term. And I think yeah. a lot of people, when their identity is so attached to their work or their play even, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you separate that and move on? What lessons can you offer so based on having to, to go through that in a painful way? That's so true. Who are we? We play so many roles in our day, in our life. And I, one might say, might not be able to separate me as Sally the artist now, but I am separate, you know? I feel like tennis was many chapters ago, really. And I do feel that 
I'm here, my, one of my purposes to be a creator. So I, I do feel like I'm in alignment with that, which is great. Yet, am I really, is that, it's what I do. So I just think you can get into more philosophical, spiritual questions about who we are, really. What are we, you know, what are we doing? Great, let's do that. <laughs> what have you most recently changed your mind on? I used to believe this. Now I'm over here and here's what. I came across this question on a bike ride. I was blown away by it. I got home, ran in the house and hit Kaylee and Amy with it. And they were like, uh, I'm like, hey, we don't have to answer it. <laughs> but it's a question we should be thinking about for our own personal growth and development. Yeah. So think about that. Things that maybe as a teacher, maybe as a business owner, maybe as a mom, but just something recently where you were like, you know what? Wow, I really pivoted and, and here's why. And I'm very comfortable with this. I would say that I letting go and just actually try, you know, the books say it. I read a lot of spiritual things, but that be in the moment. What And what does that mean? The joy is in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest lesson for me of all. If you can be in the moment with who you're with, you know, where you're at, that's where the joy is. It's not wishing, hoping, coulda, shoulda, woulda. It's just right now. So in my practice in the world is, I've become more joyful in my day-to-day -day life by just being present. And I can handle my stresses and anxieties more by being in the moment and not going, oh my God, oh my God, I got, and just life is good. Life is good right here, right now, not wishing and hoping all the time or when I get, the, when this is over. So I've become, I've let things roll off of me more. I'm able to not meet the children where they are more too yep. and take it this the whole zoom experience everything it just has made me feel like okay don't take this all so seriously it's meaningful work what i'm doing but i don't have to take it so seriously yeah. everything <laughs> then i can laugh more i can i can be more joyful yeah, absolutely and that's such a great place to be mm -hmm. and it's part of people's adventure and journey to have that realization and to get there. My follow-up question is, what are the tools that you lean on to do that? Because the idea of be where your feet are and meet the moment where it is fantastic. The execution of that is not easy. So no. what have you learned that you can offer as tools that have worked for you? I do have a little bit of a practice and a routine. I Every day before I start my day, I stretch and I read something spiritual and get centered that way. Take a good 20 minutes to do that and honor the divine creator. That's what it is for me. And maybe just breathing. I practice different things, breathing with a smile, you know, just finding, shifting my whole inner being into a joyful place instead of anxiety or just breathe and feel grounded and centered as I step out the door to rush to work and to juggle your side business at the same yes, time yes. right but what because I'm doing I do that I feel like I'm able to handle more and um okay let's wrap this up I got a couple more for you <laughs> because you are now teaching at your alma mater and you pretty much have your entire teaching career and now you're daughter's a high school student going through the experience that in theory you went through. 1983 is very different than 2020. Yes, it is. That's it. <laughs> what have you noticed as a parent 
that you couldn't see for yourself as a student? And how do you navigate that domain between, hey, yeah, I'm your mom. I also work for the place and I've seen this movie and I can help you if you let me. Yeah. Gosh, what most quickly comes to mind for me is that being here on the faculty for so long and being in this community for so long, I know that there are a lot of caring people that have my back, when I say that, that support me, that care about my family and care about my daughter, do you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, that is just, I know that if there's any slip ups or anything that happened, like people aren't, I think they're giving, they're giving to give my daughter the benefit of the doubt in the terms of we got you come on we're a support net like a, a net that's going to be holding gently and guiding when needed and necessary you know mm -hmm. and i have felt that for me too it is a wonderful sense of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then probably when i was in high school i didn't in her age i did not know the uh, depth of character and friendships that I have had through the years. I didn't know that was going to exist for me, the level that it does. And those friendships are just so valuable. And, and so watching her, she doesn't know it necessarily in the moment when I can step back and see things or, or just the ebb and flow of the social dynamics at that age and the thread of um, history that she's having with these her students and kids. When she comes back five years from college, she's just going to be they're going to be on a real level, similar page where they're going to have a lot experienced a lot of the same things. And they're going to love that they went to kindergarten together and first and second. Yep. So there's just going to be these wonderful things that she maybe doesn't know yet that I can see ahead of her. But also being a faculty, I see behind the scenes and that's, you know, give her, given me a whole nother dimensionality of the school and how much work goes into putting things on behind the scenes and events. And it's just, wow, it's really, I have a lot of respect for education and the school and teachers like, wow, what goes on? Absolutely. And <laughs> I think one other thing I would point out because I'm in the same boat is the whole idea of you're part of a team and you play different roles. And for us as faculty parents, yeah. Which hat are we wearing when we're having an interaction with our child or our child's friends? When they're at the house, is it still Miss Russell or Mr. Climo, <laughs> right? Or is it Sally and yeah. Justin? And how do you differentiate that and navigate that in a way that the lines don't get completely blurred, but that you can still parent without being the school person? And it's hard. And I think probably it's being an athlete and being on teams and figuring out what's needed in any given moment has been able to help that. I have yeah. one more question for you. And this one's out of left field and it might make you- uh, Squirm. No, it won't make you squirm, <laughs> but you might be stuck. And, and who okay. knows, you might have an answer right away. What one small act of kindness from someone contributed to your success that you will never forget? Hmm. Oh gosh, quick one came to mind for some reason. It just leapt out at me when I was and from high school, I, that's, I remember Sue Noor Ramba. She was my AP art class uh, teacher. And I just remember she encouraged me so much back then. And she stayed after with me and we learned how to do this printing um, press together 
which was in a greenhouse down by the science building at the time. And she stayed, like we worked late in a few nights and I just remembered her dedication to me. And I just was, that really meant a lot to me. And it sticks with me, her, the dedication she had to helping me and us both learn something together. I love yeah. it. Fantastic. I'm glad you yeah. had a quick answer. Yeah, uh, I don't know why it just popped out, but I know, there's, I know there's others. There you have it. So let me do this to close. Where, if they want to come and support the power plant, ah. where can people find it? What specials do you have that they should be all over? And how can they support this new endeavor? Oh, that's so nice. It's in Moss Landing on Highway 1, right across from the old power plant, the two smokestacks. And it's right just south of the whole enchilada. And we have this really cool coffee shop, I have to say. It's got cool vibes, lots of plants, and just it ele helps elevate you, I think, to another level when you go there. It's just fun. And they make great lattes, matcha lattes, and all kinds of things. Chai, I hear we have a really good chai. And then we have a retail environment attached to it now, which hopefully does the same thing for people you walk in and it's modern and organic, authentic products and just artsy, cool vibes again. So awesome. I hope I'm there if anybody comes by. Well, even if you're not, let's try to send some business that way. So if Sally, Thank thanks you. for being on. I appreciate you finding the time yes. and a wireless signal at the <laughs> facility you are currently at. Thank you, Justin. I enjoyed it. All right. Bye. Why Sports is brought to you by the Canning Properties Group, the number one real estate team in Pebble Beach and Carmel, California, specializing in ocean and golf front properties for 35 years. If you're looking for a seasonal getaway or interested in moving here full time, head to canningproperties.com backslash Sports and they will dial up a search just for you. Hi, this is Natasha McGill, recreational tennis player at the club at Pasadena and labor and delivery nurse. Ever feeling tired after a long day at work or after tough practice? Try Element, that's L-M-N-T for the energy you're missing in your life. It's sugar-free and filled with electrolytes your body needs for energizing power. Try it risk-free, money-back guarantee, with our special offer at drinkelement, that's L-M-N-T, dot com slash Justin Climo. You only pay the shipping. What's there to lose? Power up! This Cypress Grove podcast is proud to be sponsored by Delta Wines and Brick and Mortar, our everyday go-to with sustainability built in. Delta Wines are vibrant yet balanced, made to be enjoyed on a special occasion. Brick and Mortar was founded in 2011 and has worked to create the European Wine Drinkers California Wine. The wines are small lot, single vineyard, sourced from Napa, Sonoma County, and the Mendocino Ridge. In addition to tasting good, they also help you feel good with eco-friendly packaging and environmental nonprofit donations from every purchase. Buy online at winesforchange.com. In addition, use the code CONTACTS to support us and get a discount. The presentation is beautiful, the wines are great, and you're supporting Saving the Earth. What more do you need? Again, that's online at winesforchange.com. Discount code CONTACTS at checkout. If you found this valuable, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and give Y Sports and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support.